It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Today on the show, Dansby's going to get paid, but by who? What are the Falcons' passing game expectations this season? And where does Stetson rank among all SEC quarterbacks? We're going to talk about all of that. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome in on this Thursday to Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Head over to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. Find our page. Subscribe to us. Leave us a comment about what we're talking about. We're also free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Find us. Leave us a five-star review there. And, of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page at jmch three. One, six. As the Braves are in the midst of this seven-game winning streak and last night blowing out the Oakland A's and now get ready for a four-game set against the hapless, miserable, awful Pittsburgh Pirates. And, you know, they should, uh, I would think, win at least three out of four. One of the side notes that we got yesterday in Braves land is Dansby Swanson won his arbitration case. Braves wanted to offer him about $9.2, $9.3 million. He won and got $10 million for the year. Now, we know Dansby's going into his free agent year as a shortstop in Major League Baseball. Dansby's going to get paid. And when you look at the growth of Dansby over the last couple of years, so last year, 27 homers, 88 RBIs, 78 runs scored, nine stolen bases. And for the last really three years, He's played near gold glove caliber shortstop. This year, Dansby is on pace for 17 homers, 74 RBI, 26 stolen bases. He already has as many steals this year as he did all of last year with 91 runs scored. Now, when you factor that in offensively, so you have a shortstop who's a 20 homer type of shortstop who's got good speed and can steal some bases. And then you add in the fact that I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction. Today is June 9th of 2022. On June 9th of 2022, I'm going to tell you that this is the year Dansby Dansby Swanson wins the gold glove in the National League. He should have won it two years ago in the pandemic 60-game year. He was absolutely, by every analytic, the best defensive shortstop in the National League. And he was right near the top last year. I think Brandon Crawford was the, the winner last year. Now. With Dansby winning his arbitration case and putting him in that $10 million salary range and being a free agent at the end of this year, what kind of money are we looking at with Dansby Swanson? If you look at some of the shortstop contracts, you know, for instance, Brandon Crawford a few years ago signed his deal for six years, $75 million. Didi Gregorius um, signed a couple of years ago, two million or two years, excuse me, for $28 million. Tim Anderson, who is still a very young player and signed very early, six for 25. I'm not going to really look at that. Trey Turner with the Dodgers, he signed a one-year $21 million deal. So where does Dansby fit in all of that? Well, you know, Brandon Crawford is sort of one of the 
top tier gold standard shortstops in the National League, along with Trey Turner. Crawford is probably not the offensive player that Dansby is, although Crawford had a monster year last year. He was terrific last year and was a top-tier MVP candidate, but he's kind of leveled off and come back to earth a little bit. But he is an outstanding defensive shortstop and has always been a top-tier defensive player. But I think Dansby's a better all-around player. When you look at offense and the ability to run and defense, I think he's a better all-around player. He may not have the batting average that Trey Turner does. You know, Trey Turner's consistently been in that 300 range and a pretty good run producer with some speed at the top of the order. But Dansby shouldn't get less than $15, $16 million a year, right? I mean, if we're talking about in the year 2022 and he's going to be a free agent with some guys that have made $14, $15 million that are not the same player that Dansby is, and I don't care about his batting average. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I don't care about his batting average too much. I don't care about his strikeouts. You give me a shortstop that's 20 homers and 75 RBI, 20 stolen bases, and can win the gold glove at shortstop, there aren't many of those guys running around. And what's going to be fascinating is, are the Braves going to be the ones to pay Dansby? Are they going to break Dansby off? Because here's what I do believe. Maybe Dansby takes a little bit less 12, 13 million dollars versus maybe finding 15, 16, 17 on the open market. But Dansby ain't going to play for fish heads and rice. He ain't playing for a Ronnie Ozzy deal where he makes only a million bucks next year. He's already a $10 million player. So you're going to have to come up with some scratch if you want Dansby to be here long term. And we talk about losses and things like that. You know, look. Say what you will about how well the Braves have kind of rebuilt this roster in some ways, but it would be a big blow in a two-year period to lose both Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson to free agency. Do I think the Braves are going to sign Dansby long-term? I don't know. I, and I'll say my gut right now would say no. My gut right now would say that they're going to let Dansby go hit the free open market and see what he could get. I think they'll make an offer for Dansby. And look, they made an offer for Freddie Freeman. You know, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know enough about Dansby's agent situation. I don't think that you know his agent's going to back the Braves in a corner and come up with this demand and all this kind of stuff like what happened with Freddie and all that. But I don't know that Dansby's going to be here long term. And if you have a twenty homer, twenty steal, Gold Glove shortstop who can drive in some runs. And by the way, Dansby's hit all over the lineup. You know, Dansby's really, excuse me, done a good job of anchoring that number two spot in the batting order for the Braves this year. And I've always thought that Dansby profiles more as a number two hitter simply because he's got good speed. He's got enough power. And I know Ronnie's got a lot of power at the very top of the order, but you know, when you're talking about knocking in your eight, nine hitters and, and leadoff hitter, Dansby's got plenty of power, plenty of gap power. He can drive in runs. Yeah, he's not going to hit for a lot of average. Yeah, he doesn't have a very great on base uh, percentage. You know, you'd like obviously your number two guy to be, you know, one and two guys ought to be pretty high in on base percentage. That's why Olsen has hit there and Freeman has hit there over the years for the Braves. But while he may not have the great on base, he's got the really good speed. So he's another guy that, okay. Olsen hits third and Dansby's on first and you hit a ball to the wall, you know, in the gap with Dansby at first. Dansby can score on that play. 
you know, Dansby can truck it around and he can score from first on a play like that. Ronnie can absolutely do it without question. I think Dansby's in that kind of group as well. So we start talking about 20 homer shortstops, 20 steel shortstops, gold glove shortstop. How many of those guys are running around? How, how many of those guys are in Major League Baseball today? How many guys are available like that? That's an incredibly valuable commodity. You know, the old axiom in baseball is you need to be good up the middle of the field, right? Catcher, short, second, center field. Always be really good defensively up the middle there. And if you can be good offensively, be good offensively, right? You'd love to have a top-tier center fielder. You'd love to have a top-tier keystone combo, your second base and shortstop, and you'd love to have a top-tier catcher. I'm not saying Dansby's the best shortstop in the National League and, you know, he's the best that there is. But if you look at Dansby's numbers and the way he profiles out, you know, and again, you can get into the Sabre metrics, the analytics, the metrosexual stats and all these things that, you know, these goofballs love to, to get themselves in. Here's what I know. He's a 20 homer, 75 RBI, can be a 20 steel, gold glove caliber shortstop. Those guys are rare commodities. He's going to get paid. I'm just not sure that the Braves are going to be the ones that are going to break him off. All right, when we come back, what are the expectations of the Falcons' passing game coming up this year? We'll look at the median NFL stats from last year, and can the Falcons be better, worse, what have you? We'll talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Head over to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your browser. Find us. Subscribe to our page. Leave us a comment about what we're talking about. Find us free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can download us today, Spotify, Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you think. And, of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page. It would be at JMCH316. So what do we expect out of the Falcons passing game this year? Obviously, as this team and this franchise transitions from their all-time franchise quarterback, without question, the best quarterback the Falcons have ever had. And it's probably not really that much of a debate. I don't want to hear from Mike Vick people with all due respect. He never played quarterback at the level that Matt Ryan has played quarterback at, but as the Falcons transition, where do we expect the Atlanta Falcons passing game to be this coming season? I ask this question because it's not just the quarterback play. But this is a franchise who has invested two top 10 draft picks in back-to-back -back years at pass catcher. Now, in my book, if you're investing two back-to-back -to -back top 10 picks in pass catcher, and we talked about this, the last time any team in the league invested two, and they actually went three years in a row with pass catcher, was the Detroit Lions back in the early 2000, early mid-2000s, okay? Now, three years after they invested three consecutive top 10 draft picks and pass catchers, they were 0-16. I don't expect the Falcons to be that, but when you invest in pass catcher, with all due respect, you better be one of the better passing teams. So the average NFL team last year had um, 585 attempts. Now, we've talked about 
Marcus Mariota's best season is 453. The average team in the league last year was 585. So the average NFL team threw 130 passes more than the best season Marcus Mariota has ever had. And I'm using Marcus Mariota because I still believe that it's his job to lose. I, I, I love Desmond Ritter. He's my favorite draft pick. I do think that there's going to be some competition there, but I think that Arthur Smith leans heavily toward, I want Mariota to get this job and succeed. So I don't have to push and play my rookie. And we've got a bad offensive line. Hopefully we upgrade lots of young pass catchers, lots of, Oh, pass catchers that really haven't done a whole lot in the league and this, that, and the other. So I'm going off the presumption that Marcus Mariota is going to be the starting quarterback, okay? But even if it's Desmond Ritter, I can tell you, Desmond Ritter is not throwing five, uh, 585 passes in his first year. Now, the Falcons last year were 19th in pass attempts. They were a little bit below the league average, but Matt Ryan was averaging 600 pass attempts a year over the last four years. The Falcons were 16th in passing yards. The average NFL team last year, and, and again, that's part of last year is the fact that the Falcons' passing game was down because Matt typically has been 600 attempts, 4,000 yards, 20-some-odd touchdowns. The average team last year, besides having 585 passing attempts, had 3,881 yards passing with a 64.8% completion percentage and 379 completion attempts. The average team, by the way, too, had 14 touchdowns to um, 14, 14 touchdowns, excuse me. Uh, no, sorry, 26 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. So not quite two to one. Now, as far as do I think Mariota is going to go out there and be able to throw it for 38, 3,900 yards? No, no. And, and, and this is where... When, again, we set expectations about what Drake London, what Kyle Pitts can be, I, I think you have to temper some of your numbers. You know, I think everybody's expecting, oh, 1,000 yards here and six times. Where's that coming from? You know, I, I, I don't see the Falcons getting to the average of, do, do we think the Falcons are going to be the average team in the league and throw it 585 times? I don't think so. Can the Falcons be the average team in the league and have a 64.8% completion percentage? Yeah. Are the Falcons going to be the average team that has 3,881 passing yards in the league? I don't think so. Are the Falcons going to be the average team in the league that throws 26 touchdown passes? We weren't doing that consistently with Matt Ryan at times. What makes you think that Marcus Mariota is all of a sudden going to find the fountain of youth and just huck it all around and all of a sudden he's going to be you know, he's going to find his Tom Brady within him. So, look, I've talked about the idea that that this team wants to get more into a balanced offensive mode, that you want to see the discrepancy between pass and run. I always said that when Matt Ryan, as long as Matt Ryan was here, Matt and Julio and Ridley and, and when it was Roddy White and, you know, all the – they were always going to be a pass-heavy offense first. That's what you have Matt Ryan for. That's why Matt Ryan is thrown for 57,000 yards in the league, right? Because they're a pass-heavy offense. They might not have been that in Matt's first two, three years when Michael Turner was balancing out the offense and Matt wasn't asked to do more. But once you brought in Julio and Tony Gonzalez and you had Roddy and then you drafted Ridley and you brought in Sanu, they were always a pass-first heavy offense. 
the problem become and, and by the way, too, being a pass heavy offense, you also have to have a good offensive line in front of you. Well, we talked about the fact that the Falcons have three of the nine worst pass blocking offensive linemen in the NFL in the NFL. So I don't see how the Falcons get close to any of these numbers. Well, what does that mean for Drake London and Kyle Pitts? We talked about Pitts last year had 110 targets. That's on five. That's on almost 600 pass attempts that he had 110 targets on. Cut that number by a third, and where are all those targets going to come from? If you cut, if you cut Pitts's targets by a third, you're in the 80 target range now, which I don't think it's going to get down that low, but it's certainly not going to be more than 110 targets. And let's be honest, every defense is going to try to take away Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Drake Lennon's a rookie and a high-profile guy, but the other guys are going to have to prove it. Brian Edwards, Auden Tate, those kinds of guys are going to have to prove it on those te- on this team. And I think the Falcons would like to run the football more because they do have to run the football more effectively, and they've been one of the worst running teams in the NFL, and they don't really profile as having a number one running back on this roster, but I think that they want to run the football more. And let's be honest, you probably will gain more rushing yards simply because Mariota or Desmond Ritter can get out of the pocket and they can make some plays with their feet. I'm not saying that those guys are going to run for a thousand yards, but you know, they can probably pick up maybe a couple few hundred more yards than even what Matt Ryan would have gotten. But again, if your offensive line can't block for you, um, that can turn into a negative very, very quickly. You know, bad quarterbacks that can run, run themselves into sacks. You know, Justin Fields was a guy that you saw early on when he was starting last year. Guys like that will run themselves into sacks. They think that they can outrun. Johnny Manziel thought the same thing. He thought he could outrun everybody in the NFL until he tried to go around the outside against Luke Keekley, and Keekley came over and snapped his leg in half. And he was pretty much never a starting NFL quarterback after that. You're not going to outrun guys in the NFL. There are very few quarterbacks ever. Mike Vick being the exception of people who can outrun guys. So you're, you're not going to make your living outrunning everybody. You, you have to have pocket presence and you have to be able to deliver the football. But are the Falcons going to be a 3,000-yard passing offense? Probably. I mean, that would be a very low-tier number to think that the Falcons can't be at least a 3,000-yard passing offense. I can tell you this. Um if you're below 3,000 yards and you're like 15, 16 touchdowns, the Falcons won't win but three games this year. And you have to be competent in the NFL and the passing attack. I mean, the league is all about throwing the football over. So I expect a, a big regression backward when we're talking about expectations of this offense. And I think that's why a lot of people, when I see Drake London with 1,000 yards projected, Where's that going to come from? Is he going to average 25 yards of reception? Because the number of targets that those guys are going to get isn't going to be nearly what some of these pass catchers have seen for the Falcons over the last few years. All right, when we come back, where does Stetson Bennett rank among SEC quarterbacks headed into the season? Talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Head over to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. Find our page. Subscribe. Leave us a comment there. We're also free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Download us today. You can find us on Spotify, Spotify excuse me, Odyssey, and all of your favorite platforms. Leave us a five-star review there. And give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at 
JMCH316. Well, we're headed toward SEC Media Days coming up. Very much looking. I'm going to be at SEC Media Days, and we'll be doing some coverage and probably do a little bit here for the show as well. The SEC is very interesting this year when you look at the quarterback position. There are a lot of talented guys. You have the Heisman Trophy winner coming back as Bryce Young from Alabama. Um, You have the national championship quarterback in Stetson Bennett coming up. And then, of course, a myriad of both guys returning, KG Jefferson, Hendon Hooker guys, Will Rogers, guys who had really good years last year in the SEC. Then you also have a mix of a lot of different guys that are transfers. Jackson Dart at Old Miss, Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, um, uh, Max Johnson headed over to Texas A&M. So you have a lot of transition too. And then you've got a few guys that we have some questions about. Is Will Levis a guy that can be as good as we think? Is Anthony Richardson a true quarterback? What's interesting about Will Levis and Anthony Richardson is the fact that there are a lot of mock drafts for next year that put those guys as top 10, 15 draft picks, both Levis of Kentucky and Anthony Richardson of Florida. So where does Stetson Bennett rank among SEC quarterbacks coming into this year? Now, we've talked about the fact that Bennett had 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns last year. And I know a lot of people look at Stetson Bennett as a game manager and this, that, and the other. But in the college football world, when you're 3,000 yards, 30 touchdowns to seven interceptions, that's not Ham and Ager numbers. That's not game manager Ham and Ager numbers. Now, there's no question, no question. It's not even a debate. Bryce Young is the best quarterback, not just in the SEC. He's the best quarterback coming back in college football. With all due respect to our friends at Ohio State, C.J. Stroud is tremendous. But Bryce Young is the Heisman Trophy winner, and he was in the national championship game last year. So uh, Bryce Young is number one, C.J. Stroud number two. But in the SEC, I understand K.J. Jefferson had a really good year last year. But even he was 2,700 yards, and you know he did run it for about 650 yards last year. But is he better than Stetson Bennett? I love Hendon Hooker. I think if there's a guy in the SEC that has a chance to really move up, it's Hendon Hooker. And Will Rogers, to me, is, you know, he's a product of the offense that he plays in. Threw for 4,700 yards. But is he a great quarterback? I don't know. I mean, how good is Mississippi State? I'm going to put Stetson Bennett at number two. And and I'm going to put it at number two because it's not a stat-driven thing. You know, I always talk about quarterbacks is, are, are you winning? There, there, There is, especially in college football, you know, certainly in the NFL, but especially in college football, there is something about quarterbacks who win and quarterbacks who don't screw it up. You know, it's easy in college football to have some outstanding and great units. You know, Georgia's defense last year, one of the all-timers but they were still a 40 point per game offense. They were whatever, 38.6 points per game, just a whisker to under 40 a game. So they weren't some just ham and egger offense that just, you know, was lucky. You know, they weren't winning every game 13 to seven. Now does their defense help them be a better offense? Yeah. Because teams are having to punt the football or turning it over. And George is going to have some good field position and their defense has a, a say in all of that. But we talked about the fact that Georgia's skill position people are on par with most teams in the conference and, you know, across the country. 
They have a lot of weapons. And you would figure that Stetson Bennett is going into a year where he knows he's going to be the starter. And with all due respect to our fans at the University of Georgia, oh, well, they've got this guy. They got that. Yeah, yeah. They got Brock Vandegraaff. And they got, okay, Stetson Bennett's your quarterback. I don't care what Kirby can talk about competition and all this, any other. He's the national championship winning quarterback. And there is something to that. There is something to you won with the national, you know, won a national championship with Stetson Bennett. And look, go back in the old days to Alabama. Okay. You know, was Jay Barker a great quarterback? No. But was he a guy who didn't screw things up and he won? Yes. And you know what? Jay Barker's as beloved as anybody in that state of Alabama. You think Jay Barker's paid for a meal in the last 30, 35 years, or however long it's been, you know, early 90s? You think in the last 30 years, Jay Barker's paid for a single solitary man? Hell, he got to marry a country singer for it, right? He got to, he got, he, he, he won the national championship, never paid for a meal, and he married a country singer. So there is something to winning in it. Does it mean Stetson Bennett is going to have better stats than Will Rogers or maybe even Hendon Hooker? I don't know. You know, is he going to have better stats than Jackson Dart who comes over from Southern Cal and is going to be another guy that's going to put up video game numbers in a Lane Kiffin offense? No. But Stetson Bennett quarterbacks the best team coming back in the nation. Okay? Say what you will about Bryce Young as an individual, and he is the Heisman Trophy winner, but he's not captaining, cap, captaining, excuse me, I mean, he's not coming back and captaining what was the best team in college football last year. Now, they may be the best team in college football this year, and I do think that they're going to be ranked number one, but I think you have to give Bennett his due. For a guy that was 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, and I'm going to be the first guy to tell you that I had my doubts and disbeliefs about could you win with Stetson Bennett. Now that he's answered those questions, now we have to give him some love and respect. There are a lot of really good quarterbacks in the SEC this year. Just look at the SEC East with Stetson Bennett and Hendon Hooker and Anthony Richardson and Spencer Rattler and Will Levis. There are a lot of really talented quarterbacks in there. But I think you have to give Stetson his due. I think when it's the combination of, and by the way, Stetson Bennett didn't start the entire season. Remember that. You know, he had 3,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, the seven picks, and didn't even start every game last year for Georgia. The numbers will be there. The playmakers are there for Georgia. They're going to be at worst, again, the number three team in the nation. There's no reason for Georgia to be in any, anybody who's got Georgia less than third in the country doesn't really know college football. And I'm going to say that with all due respect. No, I'm not going to say hell with that. No, I'm cancel that. With no due respect to any Hammond Jabron. If you don't have Georgia at number three, then you didn't watch what they did last year. And I'm going to give Stetson his due. I think Stetson Bennett is the second best quarterback coming back in the SEC this year. It's a crowded field. There'll be guys that'll put up video game types of numbers. There's going to be a lot of guys that, and again, I'm not worried about the NFL draft. This is not talking about NFL or anything like that. This is in college. I don't care if Richardson and Levis are considered top 10 picks or anything like that. In the college game and quarterbacking the returning national championship, Georgia Bulldogs, Stetson Bennett won't have a backward year. He's not going to have a year where he goes down and he's 2,500 yards and 20 touchdowns, whatever like that. His numbers will be on par or better. 
and he's going to lead the Bulldogs back into the college football playoff world. All right, we thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Thanks for making Hitting Hard your first listen. As always, we want you to make a, a to Z with Mark Zeno your second listen. It is free and available on YouTube as well. Mark is given all his opinions back uh, on the Atlanta airwaves. And uh, you can find his uh, podcast available on Spotify, Odyssey, all your favorite platforms. Leave some comments and reviews for Zeno's podcast as well. Follow me on my personal Twitter page. It is at JM316. We will be back to wrap up the week tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 